Extreme sports are super popular today. They've grown so big and so amazing, and I don't know that there are a lot of extreme sports enthusiasts in our congregation, but I can remember the first time I saw this. It's a wingsuit. It looks like a flying squirrel suit to me. You don't fly, you actually glide, and I don't know if you've ever seen a flying squirrel before. How many of you have ever seen a flying squirrel in Indiana? I can remember my mom taking me to Deming Park when I was a kid and watching the flying squirrels glide. I don't think they're present in our area anymore, but they're super exciting. But this is this is crazy wild. Let me have the other picture of the wingsuit. These guys are doing this in tandem. They will jump off a cliff and then they will fly down, sometimes barely above the ground. In fact, someone in this last year landed a flying suit without a parachute into like a football field full of boxes. It was, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube, it's amazing. There's zorbing, and there's base jumping, and there's hang gliding, and all kinds of things. And, and the reason they believe that extreme sports are becoming more significant is because our lives are so passive that these people are looking for something of an adventure to take a risk. Years ago, 70s and 80s, there was a guy named Robert Schuler that built the Crystal Cathedral out in Anaheim, California. I'd been there before. And he built the ministry on the drive-in church, built the Crystal Cathedral, a, a, an amazing church. And, and he encouraged people, rather than to take care when they left his presence, to take a chance, to run the risk. And what I found interestingly enough this last week as I was doing research for this sermon was that the people that are the most comfortable taking risks, you know who they are? It's people of faith in God, Christians. Isn't that amazing? It sort of makes sense. The missionary endeavors where people will go and and risk their lives and sacrifice in serving God greatest risk-taking, I believe, in the world. Today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that you may not think about as someone who took a risk for God, but I want you to think about this as you turn to Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 through 14, and let me give you the context of this Scripture. Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, with her husband Elimelech and their two sons, went into Moab because there was a famine in Israel, in Judah particularly. And when we see famine in the Bible, we are seeing, seeing the judgment of God. Today we call it a supply line collapsed. You ever think about that? And so they moved to Moab, and Moab was not a popular nation among the Israelites, but that was a place where they could find food, so they went there. They worshipped in Moab the god Chemosh, which was a relative of Baal, which we see in the Old Testament, which was a sexual fertility cult, 
And also, their worship of Chemosh, they would offer children in fire. So just imagine an infant being burned alive in fire. That's what they did. So as bout of gruesome and awful a religion as possible. And the Moabites weren't the favorite of, of the Israelites because Lot's daughters, one of their daughters, actually Lot fathered the Moabites through that relationship. And so that's kind of the context as we go into Ruth chapter 1, verse 6 through 14. If you're online, I hope you join us with your tablet or your Bible. But, but let's look at Ruth 1. It says, Then she rose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Now, isn't this an awful situation that they all were bereaved, they were grieving, and, and they were aching, and they were widows? And in it, isn't it interesting that God places that in Scripture? That reality. But I, I am fascinated with this mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship between Naomi and Ruth. Ruth clung to her. Isn't that amazing? Ruth made a heart choice to follow Naomi. Because Ruth loved Naomi and Ruth wanted what Naomi had. This was unbelievable. And if you turn in your passage, or if you look in your passage in verses 15 through 18, and, and this is what Naomi said, and, and she said, while Ruth was clinging to her, this is a picture that we have in Scripture. See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Now, this is reverse evangelism. Don't follow me and my God, go home. Folks, that's no way to evangelize. But Naomi was looking out for Ruth's best interest. 
That was the easy way. That was the comfortable way. That was the safe way. She would have been provided for. But look at verse 16. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Isn't that amazing? That something inside of Ruth clung to Naomi. And it was an entire uncomfortable lifestyle change. Sometimes we see those kind of transformations. I love them when I see someone who goes from the darkness to light, from without Christ to Christ. It's amazing. That was what was going on. A transformation was going on in Ruth's life in relationship to Naomi and her family. And we see in this passage that Ruth was willing to take a chance to run the risk to go somewhere else. Now, I think some people nest and get rooted and no matter what, will not leave. You know people like that? Maybe you're like that. Maybe I'm like that. But Ruth was willing to leave the familiar to go somewhere else and to live. Now, this was a challenge. Naomi, Naomi moved from Judah to, to the land of Moab, but we see Ruth moving from Moab to Judah for the rest of her life. And sometimes God calls us to move and to live and to dwell. And, and she was leaving her people to go to God's people, the people of Judah. And and not only that, she was changing religions and changing gods. Now to me, the trade-off from Chemosh to Jehovah God to Yahweh, there was no comparison. The blessing of God is unlike no other blessing, no other religion on earth. Nothing compares. I believe Ruth knew that. She was following her heart to find hope. And I believe that that's what we do in Christ. If we follow our heart in God and follow his word and his will and his calling, then we find hope in that moment. In board, at Borderline Bar and Grill in November of 2018, just a mere three years ago, a 28-year-old young man walked in the bar, threw in some smoke grenades, and started unloading his pistol that had a, an extra-large magazine. There was a guy in there, a college kid, with his baseball hat on backwards with a scraggly kind of unshaven look, looked like any other college guy, but his na- name was Matt Witherstrom. And, and Matt Win- Winterstrom, when he heard the gunfire, 
started throwing the young ladies and young men behind the pool table. And in fact, all the young men threw their bodies on top of these young ladies and surrounded them as this shooter was, was killing people in that bar. Somebody asked Matt afterward, what, what, how did you know what to do? And he said, I just, I, I just knew exactly what to do. And so when the gunman ran out that clip, Matt threw a bar stool through the window and he got nearly everybody out in his area. But then he did something unusual. He went back in to save more people. And he was asked why he did it. He said, well, first of all, I'm here to save my life, or not save my life, to save my friends, to save my family, to save my fellow human beings. And I know where I'm going. Because Matt was a person of faith. That he took a risk. He was just a common college student. But in that moment, he knew exactly what to do. See, Ruth was a common person with an uncommon vision. She knew where she was called to go and what to do. Now you might ask, well, what motivated Ruth? And it really came down to Naomi's love and Ruth's love for her, but also... The most important thing was Naomi's God was not just another God. It wasn't one of the other gods of Moab or Chemosh. It was the God of all the universe of creation. And there was something different about Naomi and her grief and her family that drew Ruth to God. Ruth surrendered her life, her homeland, her place, her people, and her God. Isn't that amazing? How impressive is that? And doesn't that warm your heart? And when you see people who come to Christ, doesn't that warm your heart and change and encourage your relationship and your faith? And how many of those people are you surrounded by every day that you work with, that you neighbor with? that needs to know about Jesus. And it's your integrity and your legacy that makes all the difference in the world. See, following your heart with integrity can increase your influence with others. Following your heart with integrity can increase your influence with others. What that means is that we live the life in Christ to the best of our abilities. Those around Ruth, when she came to Judah, saw this young woman, this young widow woman, and saw how she lived, how she worked, how she loved Naomi, how how she took to this new religion, Judaism, following the God of gods, the King of kings. And this is how she's recognized. Look in Ruth chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says, but Boaz, now Boaz was her kinsman redeemer, but there was a kinsman redeemer closer to Ruth than Boaz. And, 
And to explain the kinsman redeemer and the levered law is basically like this. When Ruth died a widow without children and Orpah died a widow without children, then Naomi, if she had any other sons, they were required by God's law to marry Ruth and Orpah and produce children that the lineage of their brother could carry on. And that's what the role of the kinsman redeemer. And it provided for that widow and for, for that person who had died, their, their male relative that had died, that there would be a legacy of children in their name. And so there would be an inheritance. But Boaz was second in line. And if you read Ruth, you'll, you'll read the story. But Boaz was a good man. Now, the underlying theme of Ruth is this idea of kinsman redeemer. And if you carry it out very far, you realize that Boaz was the father of Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, whose lineage Jesus Christ came from. And Ruth is one of four ladies mentioned in the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Moabite, the convert, that is listed in Matthew 1 and 2 of the genealogy of Jesus. But notice what Boaz says. Here we are. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. See, Boaz recognized Ruth's heart, her humility. She worked like a slave, gleaning the field, and her hard work placed her in a position of blessing. And folks, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher, but I want you to realize that your heart, your hard work, your integrity, and your humility place you in a position to receive blessing from God. To have his favor is more important than anything else in our lives. See, all who desire to thrive spiritually reach a point where they are called to risk something for Christ. Every one of us are called. And perhaps God may be calling you to risk your home. Maybe your peace in your home by maybe bringing an adopted child in to adopt a child or to foster a child or to to share in some way your home with a life group of hosting or leading to give your home in some way to risk for God. How about your reputation? Are you willing to risk your reputation to reach out to others that aren't quite there yet, that are still kind of on the dark side and have a relationship with them in such a way that they might know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives, to be that salt and light in their world? I, I always uh, think about this uh, young woman who came to our church probably 10 years ago, and she was coming from uh, being far from God, and she came to Christ, and, and I asked her one time, I said, this, I, you got to tell me, what, what has brought you to Christ? And she said, you know, I came to church, and it just made sense. 
It just made sense that God was doing a work in her heart. And, and, and she came to church, and she grew, and she changed. And it was just following the Spirit of God and, and, and hearing the Word of God. And it was a transformative experience. And, and, and it changed her, what do I want to say, her destiny, and it changed her legacy. And I, and I love people like that because they just absorb everything and apply it. The Lord might be asking you to risk your money, uh, to give, to be generous, to, to invest in the kingdom of God. And for, for a lot of us, we hold on to that really super tight because all we know is that we need everything we have. But God calls us to risk, to, to give, to be generous, and to invest in the kingdom. How about your health and safety? What a challenge the last 18 months has been with this pandemic, and we're still in the, in the mix of that. And, and to risk your health and safety and, and to be involved with people and to gather and, and to worship and, 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 and to share, to risk. Uh, for I think of missionaries to go to places that don't have great health care. I think of, of people who go to inner city works and do work in, in, in risky environments that work in ERs or, or in hospitals and are willing to sacrifice and risk that others might be well. How about your future? Have you, are you willing to risk your future and your trajectory for what God is calling you to do? To take a chance, to take a risk in what will come. St. Augustine said this, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him the greatest adventure. To find him the greatest human achievement. Would you agree with that? To laugh is to risk appearing the fool. To weep is to risk appearing sentimental. To reach out for another is to risk involvement. To expose feelings is to risk exposing your true self. To place your ideas, your dreams before a crowd is to risk their loss. To love is to risk not being loved in return. To live is to risk dying. To hope is to risk despair. To try is to risk failure. But risk must be taken because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing does nothing, has nothing, and is nothing. They may avoid suffering and sorrow, but they cannot learn, feel, change, grow, love, or live. Charmed by their attitudes, they are a slave. They have forfeited their freedom. Only a person who risks is free. I want you to ask yourself, ask God, is there an area of my life where you might be calling me to run the risk, to take a chance? Is there an area in your life? Will you please stand as I close in prayer?